Hi, I'm Deirdre Van Nest, and you're listening to the Crazy Good Talks podcast, the place to be if you're a mission-driven financial professional or entrepreneur wanting actionable strategies to make an impact with your words and ideas. Happy New Year. It's 2022, the perfect year for you to become radically relevant. And my guest today is Bill Cates, known as the referral coach. He is also author of the book, Radical Relevance. Um, But first, have you ever seen those t-shirts that say, I'm kind of a big deal? Well, Bill is a big deal. As a member of the National Speakers Association myself, I can tell you in the speaking world, he's the bomb. He's a CSP, CPAE, and I know those letters don't mean anything to you, but just trust me when I say they're a big deal. And he's a member of the Speakers Hall of Fame with such members as Ronald Reagan and Colin Powell. There's few in our industry that have reached the level of success that Bill has. And so I am absolutely thrilled to have him join us today. So welcome, Bill. Well, you know, Ronald Reagan is deceased. Colin Powell, we lost recently. I don't know what that bodes for me because things usually come in threes, you know, so. <laughs> I, you know what? I think we need to pick some new people then to uh, to put you in company with. OK, we'll have to. so we'll have, I'll have to nominate you for the Hall of Fame. That's what we'll do. I will love that. I will. I will take you up on that nomination. Thank you. No, no. We are going to say that the third time is a charm. All right. So your new book is called Radical Relevance, which I absolutely love that term. But please tell us, what does it mean exactly? Well, first of all, I I wrote it because I I found that one of the biggest challenges I'm seeing these days is, well, people always have a challenge getting referrals and and then getting introduced. But then once they get introduced, that, that borrowed trust will carry them so far. But if they don't have a great way to talk about their value, then... All of a sudden, that prospect that seemed interested or you got a great introduction, they'll start to ghost you. It's because your message wasn't as relevant and compelling as it needed to be. So that's kind of the, the problem, if you will, we're trying to solve. And, and radical relevance, really, it's a couple of things. First of all, it's about truly caring about your clients, going deep enough to get to know your clients and their world, uh, being as targeted as you can with your market. And we can get into all that stuff. And then making sure you're that you really do take the time to have a message that is so relevant to them that they can't help but be interested. I mean, we all get messages from people that we see copy paste, copy paste, right? Maybe they'll use our first name spelled incorrectly. Maybe they'll, you know, say they read something on our website, but you can just tell that they didn't really. And so this is about being really relevant. And that's what we need to do, whether it's with an email, whether it's our website, whether it's how we reach out with LinkedIn, all of that is being so relevant that they can't help but respond. And I feel like that has become more important over the last decade. And even with the pandemic, I think it's accelerated it. Uh, do you feel that way? And if so, why? Like, why is this so important? Well, it has because... Uh, it, it's just that the, the, the volume uh, of messaging that's coming our, our way, our prospects way, that's a big part of just the, the, the noise in the marketplace. There's more of it now than ever before. The good news and the bad news together is that it's easier to send messages and to get messages in front of people, right? 
the technology has made it easier, but that's the problem, right? Because now everybody and their brother's doing it. And just when you latch on to something that not a lot of people are doing, a lot of other people discover it. So the only way to really cut through all that noise is to have a message that they, you want your clients, your prospects to see themselves in your message. It's called empathy, having an understanding and appreciation for their situation. And when you craft your messaging properly, they start to see themselves in it. They, they see that they're the hero in your story. It's not you trying to be the hero. They see that you're the guide. They're the hero. And you get that. And you know that. And the, your messaging shows that. So, look, relevance has always been relevant. <laughs> it's always been. <laughs> here from the, right. Well, from the minute that someone tried to influence someone else, they, they thought, how, how can my message you know, be right for you? So you'll pay attention. But now it's just there's so much noise, it just becomes even more important. And, you know, in my book, I, I talk about the, uh, the 17 rules of radical relevance. Mm -hmm. And the first rule is the, the fastest way to be relevant with someone who doesn't know you is to get introduced by someone they do know and trust. Sure. And so, yes. you know, we're not giving up on the referrals and the introductions. That's one way we become super relevant. So we have two ways that we can go with this episode, Bill. So your, your book is divided into sections, if you will, right? There's four parts to the book. And, you know, the first part is all about like why this matters and what is being radically relevant. Parts two through four, I feel like you get into like tactic and strategy. And one of the things this podcast is known for is delivering tactics and strategies people can use the moment they, you know, they hit stop on the podcast. So we could either have you go through each section and give us a couple of top strategies, or we could take those 17 rules and you could pick some of your favorites and, and talk about those. So what do, what do you prefer? Well, I, I think a little bit of both is okay, because here's what I found. If you're just thinking tactically, uh, you may be trying, you know, a tactic under a strategy that doesn't fit for you, right? Yeah, sure. In, in fact, I've seen a lot of folks, not just financial professionals, but a lot of folks, um, if something isn't working as well as it should, we often immediately try to go to tactics. Well, maybe yeah. I should send more of these messages or I should post more on LinkedIn or whatever it may be. And, and that may very well be the truth, but if it's not falling under the right principles and strategies for your business, then you could be kind of wasting your time. So, you know, when I'm coaching folks and they want to get tactical, I say, sure, let's get tactical. And let's just make sure that we're working with the right strategies in the first place. Love that. Okay, right? great. So, so it, with that in mind, I'll, I'll give you the strategic thing really quickly. It's, I mean, so you're right. It's a whole section in the book, but I can sum it up pretty quickly. And that is really, it's the, the decision that you make in terms of who is your market. This isn't anything new to anyone, right? Everyone right. knows we've got to have the right market uh, and then the right, and that's the target. And you can have more than one market. You can have more than one bullseye. Uh, I don't recommend trying to build more than one at a time, but you can Correct. have more. Uh, and then what is the bullseye, meaning the right fit client, the, that's we call it the persona, the avatar, different words that people use. So the mistake that people make around this in a strategic sense and tactical is they think, all right, you know, as I'm messaging, as I'm creating my website, my LinkedIn profile, some collateral material, whatever it may be, they think, all right, let's expand the net a little bit. I don't want to leave these people out and I don't want to leave these people right. out. And, of course, what happens, as you know, is as you expand the net, 
your message gets weaker and weaker and weaker to the point where it may not attract anyone. And so the narrower, the better. And it's hard for some people. Uh, it's been hard for me sometimes. Yeah, That is really hard. You and I work a lot with financial professionals and they are very hesitant to draw that line in the sand. So what can you say right now to the financial professional who's listening about, and, and they're maybe on the fence, like, I know I should do this. I've heard it. And, and, but like, let's just finally do it this year. What, what can you say to like, get them to step over that line bill? I, I get that all the time. In fact, there's two main reasons people come to me. Either they want to have a process in place to get more referrals. They know they're sitting on a gold mine of opportunity. They get some referrals, introductions without asking. They want that. That's one. The other is this. The other is, Bill, I know I need to be more you know, targeted. Uh, we're doing pretty well, but I know we could do better. All right. So, uh, well, th th what stops most people is two mistaken assumptions. One is that if I decide to focus on this target market, and if you want, we can get into what makes a good target market and what are some of the yeah, characteristics. Yeah, let's, let's spend a couple so, minutes on that. Yeah, so remind me that. So okay. the, the, if I just focus on this market, then what about my current clients, right? Um, are they right. going to feel left out? Do I need, do I, can I still keep serving them and, and all that, right? And the answer is, yes, you continue to serve them. Um, how you talk about this target market you're developing may vary. Some of those people may be happy to jump on that and they know people in that target market. And, and as long as they know you're not going to stop serving them, they're happy to help any way they can. Others, you may be a little more careful around that. And this is certainly how many advisors scale their business where they decide they're going to focus in a niche and maybe uh, an associate advisor, a junior advisor gets brought on to take care of some, some of the legacy clients. Uh, so no, you don't have to stop serving those. It's not going to hurt that. Uh, and the other is if I just serve these people over here, then what about these folks? You know, I mean, what about this other opportunity? Sorry. Uh, am I going to miss opportunity? And the answer is yes, you probably will miss some opportunity, but you'll be so successful. You won't notice it. You won't care. Talk to anybody who's doing well in a target market, whether it's, you know, business owners in an industry, people in a company, whatever they will tell you that they wish they had done it sooner, that they hadn't waited, and that they don't miss that other opportunity. And sometimes that opportunity will come along and just over the transom. And if it fits, they'll take it. But most of the time, everything they're doing proactive is towards the target market. I love what you just said. Oh, yes, good. you will miss that. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's big. It's actually so it's so contrary to the way most people say this. Yes, you will miss some opportunity like, you know what, just get over it. Like you got to come to terms <laughs> with that. It's going to happen. You and I have both talked about this because we've both drawn a line in the sand when it comes to financial professionals. I know we both also do work with some other folks. Some, I say mission driven entrepreneurs. I think you probably work with that same group. Right. But our 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 focus, our focus, our financial professionals. And we both said, what a great decision that's been and how much work there is within this one group and that we don't miss the opportunity that we miss. I'll give an example for myself that most people can probably relate to when, when the pandemic hit, it was like, holy crap, <laughs> you know, what's happening. Then the market oh, crashes, yeah. you know, in the middle of all that. And and yeah. you know, everyone's scrambling, trying to figure out what, what to do, what to do. 
And so initially my first thought was, okay, maybe I do need to expand the net a little bit. Maybe I do need to mm. see about doing the work I do in other industries. Uh, and I said, wait a second, what am I saying? You know, it's like, Bill, you know, coach yourself here. And so actually what I ended up doing yes. was doubling down. And that's when I started my podcast. Yeah. And that's where I started doing other things specifically for financial professionals. And actually 2020 was one of my best years and 2021 even better. So uh, we, we know it works. Um, you know, if you need a slap upside the head, just call you, call me, whatever, we'll help you. We'll yeah. You'll figure it out. <laughs> I, I agree. I had that same experience with doubling down and 2020 being the best year. So I, I, I'm with you. So, so just put yourself out of your misery. If you're listening, listen to us and just, just do it. Just draw the line in the sand. Okay. Give us just a, a you know, a, a couple of pointers on what makes a good target market before we move yeah, on. Yeah, sure. So a couple of um, classic markets, first of all, and then I'll give you some characteristics and uh, you know, it, small business owners, particularly in a specific industry, pretty classic medical practices, uh, pretty classic. Uh, people can nest in large companies, uh, you know, where the employees of that company uh, become their target market. Uh, universities, administrators, faculty, and universities, these are some pretty typical uh, target markets. And then the characteristics, number one, is it big enough? Is it going to be big enough to sustain and, and support the energy that you're going to put into it? Now, what we know with COVID is that a lot of people's geographic reach has expanded. So it's become easier, right, to have that. Uh, that's big. What's big enough? Is there a number? Like, how do you, how do you figure that out? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a specific formula, but, you know, okay. I'll, get, I'll give you one example. Yeah. Um, yeah, so one of, one of a guy that I interviewed on my podcast, uh, by the way, if I can just be so bold to say topadvisorpodcast.com. Please do. Uh, yes. So Adam, uh, he, he, long story, but uh, to make it short, he wanted to work with optometrists. And he found that there are 37,000 optometrists in the United States. Okay. Uh, he didn't originally start to be national in scope. But in the town where he was, there was about 400, 500 optometrists. And if you looked at his state, there was more than that. And then what he did is he went deeper. Rather than just say optometrists, he started to focus on optometrists who are going to sell their business within five years. Wow. Now, there weren't a lot of those in Indianapolis, but across the country, a ton. And he's become wow. the go-to guy for optometrists That's who want to sell their business, right? Okay. That's great. So it's got to be large enough. It, they got to have the financial capacity to, to appreciate the work that you do and what you do, right? Sure. So do yes. they have the assets? Do they have the income? All those demographic aspects. Um, it, it helps that you like dealing with the folks that tend to populate that industry, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, well, for instance, yes. I, 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 one guy on my podcast, Malcolm... Uh, I keep saying Malcolm Gladwell, but that's not his name. It's Malcolm Etheridge. Um, he focuses on folks in, 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 the, uh, in the tech industry on the West Coast and, you know, a lot of engineers, a lot of technical folks and some advisors will go nuts working with those people. Right. And but he loves it because he's kind of a, you know, a failed, uh, you know, uh, a tech starter upper, but a very successful financial advisor. So it, it helps to enjoy the kinds of folks that populate that. Um, and, and then this is a big one. There are formal and informal ways to communicate. 
meaning they have an association or there are ways to get in front of these people, whether it's in person or on the internet, that, where do they quote unquote congregate uh, digitally and or you know, in live person, in person. And, and so that what happens is you can write for a publication or you can do educational events and you can start to build a reputation for yourself. And most financial professionals have been taught how to prospect. Uh, maybe they got thrown into a room with a phone book and taught the cold call. Maybe their company helped produce leads. Uh, asking for introductions is a form of prospecting. Nothing wrong with that. Prospecting never goes away totally. And when you target a, a market, you can actually start to draw people to you. You actually start to market. You start to attract people with your messaging and the reputation that you build. And the prospecting, what's left, gets a lot easier and faster. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a, a, a reduced version or slimmed up version on target marketing. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I think instead of going from everyone where you're a little fish in a big pond, you can actually start to become a big fish in a smaller yes. pond and stand yes. out. Um, okay, great. So where do you want to go next? Do you want to go yeah, to- Yeah, let's go to some of the tactics. Uh, okay, I mean, that, cool. That was a little tactical, but we'll, we'll go even more tactics. So- um, all right. So rule number two, um, trying to remember these off the top of my head. I know this one is give your clients a seat at the table. Now, here's what I mean by that. We should rarely develop any, uh, you know, ways we talk about our value, whatever we're going to put on a website, LinkedIn profile, messaging we send to people. When we work on our messaging, marketing plans, et cetera, we should never do it in a vacuum. We've got to talk to some clients, maybe not all our clients, but we all have a few that would love to help us. They maybe have a, a mindset to help with this sort of thing. And because we want to hear what they're going to say and how they interpret what we're saying. And are we being clear? And what happens is you get a lot of neat stuff, phrases, ways to express your value. I'll give you two examples. From my own world, when I was doing this, I talked to one of my clients, Michael Schmitz in San Mateo, California. He says, Bill, when I talk about you, when I think about you, I, I say, you know, Bill Cates makes asking for referrals as natural as breathing. And I go, wow, Michael, that's, pr that's pretty good. I never would have thought of that, saying that, yeah. you know, can I quote you? And he says, yeah, of course. Right. So it allows me to brag a little bit without me bragging. I just, I put it, it comes from the words of my client. Right. Exactly. Client told me this. Right. So that's that's for me. Now, I was coaching a couple of guys uh, and they were dealing with a client. The client said to them, you know, and, and it was on my coaching to go back to some clients and, and have this conversation. And they said, guys, you know, here I call you the dream makers. And they kind of cocked their head, you know, and they said, well, tell us more about that. Well, you're always paying attention to my plan, to what my dreams are. Uh, the last advisor I worked with, yeah, we worked on dreams and goals, but it got stuck on a shelf and it never came up again. But you guys have kept this lively. You're helping make sure I fund my dreams. Uh, I call you the dream makers. And that's exactly what they needed to hear because first it reinforced what they were doing and they knew they were trying to do that, but they never thought of using that verbiage. And so right. we want to find that we want to use words, concepts, that are kind of already in the heads of some of our clients. So it's a very tactical thing to do. And some clients, you know, some advisors have a, you know, board of advisors and some have informal folks that they go to. And so I recommend that. 
that's one of them. I'll give you another one. I can't remember the number one on, on of, of the 17, but it's, it's uh, only differences that matter, matter. So uh, this, this could be a big topic. The fact that you care about your clients is, I'm sorry, it's not a differentiator. I mean, I'm glad you do care about your clients and you should talk about that. The fact that you do a plan, the fact that you customize your recommendations to your clients, those are not differentiators. Those are table stakes these days. The fact that you have great responsiveness with your team, all of those things should be talked about. Just don't think of them as differentiators because they aren't. You know, when COVID hit, I didn't travel as much. Obviously, I wasn't doing my in-person presentations as much. So I ended up doing a lot more coaching and, and interviewing folks from my podcast. And so what I saw is that pretty much everybody uh, uses the same things as their differentiator. So therefore, they're not differentiators. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so, you know, <laughs> if, if, if what you're saying about what makes you different doesn't matter, doesn't resonate with your prospect and your clients, then it, then it's not a differentiator. So what can make you a differentiator? Well, a target market certainly can, right? The fact that you focus on employees in this company and you know their benefits package probably better than their HR department knows it. And you can help them make decisions and anticipate problems that you know others simply can't. Well, that's a differentiator, right? Now, the fact that you do planning in and of itself isn't a differentiator, but if you have a kind of a fact finder discovery process that really truly is more robust and, and goes deeper on many levels than most people use, well, then you can use that as a differentiator. So here's how you bring your differentiations to life. And that is to have an example. Whenever you're talking about your value, here's what we do, here's how we do it, here's what makes us a little bit different than others. You wanna find yourself saying the words, for example. You wanna have these little mini case studies and anecdotes because that's what brings all the other stuff to life. You may be using some jargon and not even realize you're using jargon, but when you then describe how a client, how they went through your process and here's how they benefited and here's how they feel, that brings it to life. And that's what resonates with people. And people listen to stories differently. So I, I can't encourage you enough to, to start to have an inventory of little anecdotes and stories and write them down and work on them a little bit and be able to tell them really quickly. It's not, not long drawn out stuff, but that's what brings these differentiators to life is through an example and a story. So that's how we bring the, the you know, the, this concept of relevance to, to become tactical. We, you know, we, we have two strategic stories that we craft for uh, financial professionals and mission-driven entrepreneurs. One is the why story. It's why you do what you do and why you care. And that's a differentiator because that's very unique. Your why is unique to you and who you are is unique to you. Nobody can replicate you. And then the other is what we call desire stories. And those are those anecdotes that you're talking about that are client stories, right? Client stories that allow you to showcase what you do and to really to sell yourself, but to do it in a way that doesn't sound at all salesy and it evokes desire for the client to receive that same results. And then the other piece is what we call your crazy good signature system. And that's what you're saying. You have to have a process. You already have a process. You just have to name the process and start calling it something. So people know you have a process. 
Yeah, if you name it, then uh, depending on the name you pick, you know, you can even trademark it and nobody else has that process. And that's what I recommend my, my clients do is trade as soon as you pick it, even if you don't know if it's going to be the one forever, start using the TM, right? I'm not an attorney. I'm just going to put a disclaimer there, but start doing that. Get the URL so that you at least you, you have that real estate and, and start talking about it. If I can add to that too, um, in my book, in Radical Relevance, I have a chapter uh, that's called the, the Neuroscience of Relevance. And Ooh, love that. Yeah, I hurt, hurt my brain to write it, but um, <laughs> I actually had three neuroscientists that I consulted with on that to just make sure what I was writing actually was true in the realm of neuroscience. And I discovered this term, uh, it's called cognitive fluency. All right, so here's what it means. If people, prospects, for instance, or clients, aren't crystal clear on what the next steps are, what the steps in working with you look like, or what's the next two or three steps after we meet today. If they're not clear on what those are, then they will automatically assume that working with you is complicated. If they look at your website and it's not clear what the next step is or how you actually do what you do, then the brain just unconsciously assumes it's complicated and we lose people, maybe not everybody, but we lose people that. So uh, what we wanna have on our website is a way to illustrate this. And it could be, here are the three steps you will go through, right? First, we will get to know you and discovery and, and then we'll make some recommendations and then we'll implement. It could be as simple as that. I've seen people have five steps. There's different ways and fun ways to do this, but nonetheless, You've got to have that. It's got to be crystal clear to folks. Um, it's otherwise they won't know what the next step is. So that, that kind of dovetails on what you were talking about. Well, and I love that because oftentimes the, the, the ask or the next step is actually left out of the conversation. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you never want to do that to a client or a prospect because it leaves them like it leaves them feeling like, okay, well, do I have to figure this out? Like, aren't you the one who's in charge? Like, like lead me along the path here. Tell me what to do. And you can see how the recommendation falls on them. Does it, you know, do they like that recommendation? Does it fit? Does it seem right? But always, here's what I recommend we do next, right? Be, be, be confident enough um, to recommend and say, what do you think? Does that sound good, right? And so you can get their feedback. You can get objections to your recommendation. It's fine. But they need your confidence to shine through. They, they need that from you. You know, I love that. And yeah, why do you think many, and, and I'll, say, I'll, I'll say financial professionals because we're both in that world, but this does not just, so if you're listening, you're not a financial professional. Um, I've worked across other industries to know that this isn't unique to the financial services industry, right? So this applies to you. Why do you think so many people in business are hesitant to confidently say, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Here's the next step. Like what, what's going on with that? Either they're afraid of someone saying, no, I don't want to do that. So it's, it could be an unconscious fear of rejection. And a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, even very successful people run up against that. Uh, so that's one. And the other yeah. is um, they're, they're not sure. Uh, they, they don't want to look pushy, right? They don't want, to, they don't want the, the prospect yes. to feel pushed into something because we don't like to be pushed into anything. And I get that, right? And yes. when you truly get to know this person who's in front of you, 
and they feel that you're getting to know them, right? They can, they can tell that you're taking the care and you're occasionally repeating back what you heard them say to make sure you got it. Um, then when you say, you know, based on what I'm learning about what your, your, your current situation and what you want to do in the future, here's what I recommend we do next. And, and then, you know, you be open and then you say, how's that sound? Does that feel good to you? Cause so you're not pushing them into anything, right? You're, you're letting right. them say no, it's okay to say no. Uh, and most of them won't, most of them will just say, yeah, sounds good. Occasionally may want to adjust your recommendation a little bit to fit their situation. That's fine. But yeah, I, I ran into a guy, I can't remember the guy's name anymore, but he's got a whole, his business, you know, like yours is crazy, good talks and mine's referrals and value. His was all about, he called it recommendation selling, right? We always make mm. recommendations. And I think it's important. We want that, that confidence to come through. Your prospects want that confidence to come through as long as it's not pushy, right? You know, it's not like, here's what yes. we're going to do next. Or, you know, here's, here's what I suggest. Let me give you a call. You know, you don't just go down that path. You say, here's what I recommend. What do you think, right? How does that resonate with you? And then it takes that push away. Yeah. And I, people are surprised to know this about me, but 20 years ago, I was absolutely terrified to be in any type of selling quote unquote situation for that very reason. One, I didn't want to be rejected. And two, I didn't, I was on, I felt uncomfortable because I felt like I was making people uncomfortable if I felt like I was pushing. And does that make sense? Like I had this whole story going on in my head and it actually required me to quit a business I love because I just, I couldn't, couldn't sell. And um, one of the things along the way that really has changed the game for me. So I want to offer this to my listeners in relationship to this conversation on this idea of making recommendations like Bill is talking about, because it's so critical, not just for your success, but for your client's success is to come into every conversation with, with a human being really. Um, and, and I got this from one of my mentors years ago, Lisa Sasevich with the mindset that you are committed, but not attached. So here's what this means. You are committed, but not attached. So whenever I'm in a situation with a prospect bill, I am 100% committed to helping them find the solution that is right for them. And I am completely unattached if it has to do with me. Right. Whether we do it or not together, what the final process looks like, but you're still there to make sure they get the right answer, the best answer. Yeah. So, so like, let's say I'm talking to a financial professional and they come to me and they, and at the end of our discovery process, we determine that their, their real, their most pressing issue right now is they need help with referral coaching. I'm going to refer them to you. I'm not going to try to shoehorn them into something that we don't do at crazy good talks or sort of do, does that make sense? But it's not really our main lane. And so I come in from a total place of curiosity and service and simply wanting to help these people, this person. So when I say to somebody, you know what, Bill, I feel confident based on our discussion today that we can absolutely get you from where you are now to where you want to be a year from now. Would you like to do X, Y, Z process with us. It feels clean. It doesn't feel pushy. It feels loving and it feels in service to them. Does that make sense? 
Well, yeah, of course it does. And, and, and this all comes from, and this is the same thing with referrals, introductions, um, making recommendations. It all comes from the place where you know you provide value, right? You know the work you do is important. And you also know that not everyone is the right match for you and vice versa. Right. And so, yep. right. So, I mean, I get a lot of calls from folks, you know, Bill, I, my clients are sending me referrals. Yeah, but they're not the right people for my business. Right. But I take them on anyway. And then I feel resentful. Right. Well, that means you're not doing what's right for those people. You're taking on your who wants to work with an advisor who takes them on and then feels resentful about it. Right. Right. So if you're, yes. it, it, I mean, it's always I mean, the whole fiduciary thing with advisors is always do what's right for the prospect or the client. And if if you're not jumping up and down, excited to, to work with them, then you're the wrong advisor. Now you might have a junior or you know a, a associate advisor who is the right match. Great, and you want to tell your clients. You want to say, look, if you ever send anybody my way, first of all, I'm never too busy to see if I can be a resource. To see if I can be a resource, they're the qualified like ones, right? Yes. Happy to chat with them if if I feel I can help them reach their goals. If I feel that the processes we use are right for them. I'll let them know and hopefully we'll work together. If I don't feel I'm the right person, I will let them know that as well because it's important to them that they are working with the right advisor. And what that does a couple things. First of all, it gives you that out to not always take on people just because someone sent them to you. Your clients will start to say, I have someone to send to you, but I'm not sure if they're the right fit for you. So they'll get into the qualifying conversation sometimes ahead of it with you. And that's good. So then sometimes you don't waste yes. someone else's time or your own time, et cetera. Um, and, and you're doing the right thing for everybody. So that, that's where all this recommendation stuff, all this, you know, being clear and, and confident in the next step comes from the fact that we know we help people. Yeah. And so I, I like to say, you know, go into 2022 with this, this new uh, commitment to one being committed, but not attached so that you can make recommendations. And I always love using a doctor as an example, a doctor with a great bedside manner, right? Someone who's warm and personable connects and is likable, but is clearly the authority. And a doctor does not hesitate to recommend what they think is the best course of action for you. Imagine if they did or withheld it, that, that would be terrible. So, so, so emulate the doctor, right? Okay, great. So we've talked about why radical relevance is so important, particularly now, right? We've talked about kind of like the strategy of, you know, picking the niche and the target market and some things that make a great target market. And we've gotten into this idea of, of making recommendations. What's, what's one, like to close us out here, what's one more nugget people can latch onto in terms of making 2022 their most radically relevant year ever. Oh boy. God, there's so much. Uh, <laughs> I, can I give you two real quick, please? And then obviously let's talk, I want to ask you about the book and where they can find it. So this isn't like, this is just like the precursor. Yeah, yeah, to thank the you. Book. So first of all, uh, in, in the work I do in terms of getting referrals and introductions, um, one of the most important thing that I've ever taught, been teaching for 27 years is this thing I call a value discussion, or you could call it a value check-in or an expectations check. And that is to get in the habit with prospects, with clients, every step along the way, just checking in, right? Uh, are, are how are we doing in terms of meeting expectations? Anything we've fallen short on? What is working so we keep doing it? Just 
this transparency of communication, that alone, it'll make you more referable. You'll get some introductions, referrals without asking. That, that value check-in is of, of all the things that I've taught. So you could make 2022 the year of checking in more with your clients. Uh, the other one is this, this idea of differentiation. You know, there's a lot of people out there that's saying, look, you got to know what makes you different. You got to, you know, if you don't know what makes you different, you're going to be lost in the sea of competitors. And no, nah, not, not necessarily. You know, some of your clients, your prospects, they, they don't necessarily care what makes you different. They would just want to know if you're right for them. So let's make 2022 the year of empathy. And what I mean by that is that the work that you need to do on your side to get clear on who you serve the best, who gets served the best by you, and then how to talk about that, how to articulate that so people see themselves in your story. And when you do that, they don't, they don't need to know what makes you different. They're just going to say, this feels right, right? He I love that. She is talking about what they do in a way that makes sense to me. And so I'm not saying, look, we got differentiation formulas. We got all that stuff in the book. And I'm not saying we don't need that from time to time, but it's not the end all be all, right? So don't listen to those people say, you got to have that. And if you don't have that, you'll be dead in the water. No, of course not. Most of the people listening to this are pretty successful already. And maybe don't have that, right? It's just, it's the match. Yeah. Yeah. You said something that's really key and something that, that we're, we're always beating a drum on is what's most important when you're communicating with people, whether it's on a podcast, a video from the stage, one-on-one -on -one in writing, is that your reader or listener actually feels something. It's not so much that they even get what you're saying. They need to feel what you're saying. And if you can make them feel a positive emotion, I trust this person. I like this person. I want to work with this person. I want to be around this person. They can help me. Then uh, uh, most else doesn't actually even matter. And, you know, I can hear the analyticals going right now. Hogwash. What's all this feeling uh, they, stuff? But can I give you some evidence? Uh, I, it's oh, actually, yeah. you know, so forever people have been saying, you know, people don't buy based on facts and they buy on emotion. And it, well, it's actually been proven. All right. So Antonio Damasio uh, is a, a neuroscientist using a, a, a technology called magnetic resonance tomography. Mm. Say that 10 times fast, magnetic resonance tomography. And <laughs> subjects who had the part of the brain damaged where they couldn't feel emotion, right? It was a damaged part of the brain. They couldn't okay. feel emotion. They literally could not make decisions. They couldn't decide if they're going to have wheat flakes or corn flakes for breakfast. How do they live? Either by habit or by some checklists. And so what we now truly know is that the core of every human action or decision is emotion. All right. So what does that mean? What about all these illustrations we create? What about the statistics, the Morningstar reports? All, oh, those are totally valid, right? What those do is they create an emotional response, right? Oh, oh, I might be one of those 20%, right? I didn't realize that, right? And then they will take action, right? So I'm not saying you get rid of that intellectual, you know, left side brain. No, it's very important. It actually creates an emotional response and then they will make a decision to take action. That's great. That's great. What, how sad, like, I was just thinking like, 
I had an emotional reaction when you were talking about the people having the ban the, uh, the part of the brain that's damaged, like emotionally, like what a horrible way to go through life. How sad. Oh, Bill I was don't like, know. Yeah, so sometimes we have, I like it. Sometimes we have too many choices. <laughs> just tell me what to do. I mean, just that's tell my, me if I should that's have what the my Louise wife does. She just yes. tells me what to do. She you just know? tells you, she just, she just tells you what to do. Oh, uh, well, Bill, thank you for spending your time being here. Tell us where we can buy the book, how people can find you, all that great stuff. All right. So first of all, I have a, a complimentary guide. It's a fairly new guide that kind of pulls my referral and value stuff together. And it's free. Just go to great. exponentialgrowthguide.com, exponentialgrowthguide.com. I'm sure you'll put in the show notes. We'll put in the uh, show notes. Great. Yep. And then for the book, uh, radicalrelevancebook.com, radicalrelevancebook.com. There's actually kind of a fun video there and you'll get a sense of whether it makes sense, whether it's for you. And then referralcoach.com is our main website. So uh, interact with me. I'm pretty accessible. Would love to chat. Okay, great. And social media, you hang out on LinkedIn or Twitter? Oh, LinkedIn a lot. Yeah, yeah, you'll find me. Now it's Bill Cates, not Bill Gates, just to make sure we're clear on that one, right? Oh, yeah, I did say Bill Cates today. Didn't I say Bill? Did, yeah, yeah, I think yes, I said you did. Bill Cates. Okay. Yes, you did. Okay. But, uh, you know, some people hear it as Gates. And well, and and big Bill Gates is not a big deal in the speaking circle like you are. So I, I don't know, you know, make sure you get that C. Here's the deal. He's got a lot of money. He's actually working hard to give a lot of it away, which is wonderful, uh, which is wonderful. My goal is to help you make a little bit more in the spirit of service to others. So that's my goal. <laughs> Love that. And I think that's a great goal. So, and Bill Cates with a C, thank you for being my first guest of the year. And my pressure, I mean, pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to the crazy good talks podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered in this podcast represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Accelerated Performance, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.